Good morning, everyone. Uh, nice to see you. Uh, my name's Sam, if you don't know me. Uh, one of the pastors here. Thanks for reading that, Bill. Uh, we're, if, you, if you're fairly new to us, you may not know we're working our way through Ecclesiastes. If you're fairly new to us, you've joined us at a good point. We've almost reached the end. Uh, it's been a very encouraging book, though, despite the jokes. Um, uh, there's lots in it. And this last little section uh, that we're reaching, it changes a little bit from next week for the last uh, chapter or so. Uh, it's sort of a bit of a summary of wisdom, um, what he ref how he reflects on that being useful to us in this life. Uh, so I'm not going through every verse. It's, there's quite a lot to go through. We're going to reflect a bit more about, I think, what it causes us to think and do with this type of uh, wisdom literature in the, uh, in the Old Testament that uh, says a lot, but uh, can be uh, demoralizing in some ways as well, uh, if we think about it too much. So let me pray, and then uh, you'll see where we're going as we get through this passage. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, uh, and we praise you that uh, every part of it is uh, useful for us. You tell us that in uh, Timothy. Uh, we thank you that it, it can correct us, uh, rebuke us, encourage us, teach us, uh, and that everything in your word uh, is about and points towards the Lord Jesus, uh, the gospel. So we pray now as we read and think about this passage, you would speak to us by your spirit, through your word, for your glory and for our good. Amen. Great. I've got my timer set to uh, 14 minutes from the sermon at the wedding yesterday, but don't get your hopes up, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, verse 13, chapter 9. I saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city and only a few people in it and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it and built huge siege works against it. This is kind of some sort of Lord of the Rings epic, isn't it? Uh, obviously, there is something or someone special in this little town, uh, but it's, it's vulnerable, it's exposed, despite its defensive walls. And now a powerful king arrives, perhaps from Mogador in Middle Earth, or just uh, down the 217 towards Rygate. Uh, but this king and his siege works are not the star of this film. Oh, no, this is a true story of heroic underdog winning someone so wise that even our writer of ecclesiastes the man who has found everything meaningless and there's nothing lasting of worth all the way through his book finally says he is greatly impressed i mean wow settle in for a feature-length film get your popcorn dim the lights verse 15 now there lived in that city a man poor but wise and he saved the city by his wisdom, but no, no one remembered him. What a rubbish storyteller this guy is. He builds the scene, albeit briefly. I, we're excited. So this is, and then a poor wise man just comes and saves the city, but I don't really remember any details, I'm afraid. Nobody remembers him. What was his wisdom? What was it that he did? It's a frustrating place to leave us. You'll never believe what I saw today. Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, when I actually came from my interview here at Grace Church uh, six years ago, I was back at Heathrow, ready to fly back to Lesotho, uh, where we were living at the time, about to board the plane 
and I got a text message from Crazy Uncle Ben, uh, who many of you know here, hence you know his full title, uh, who had asked in my absence, he was working in Johannesburg at the time, he'd, he'd done some training for the missions team we led on preaching that week while I was away. And as I was boarding the flight, he sent me a text message, and, it, and this is genuinely all it said. The team, so my team, the team has rolled the landing. <laughs> well, I need more than that. Are they alive? Uh, what happened? Is that more importantly, is the landing a write-off? Did anyone else get hurt? Silence, no reply. I mean, this has to be bad, doesn't it? Uh, he's obviously now helping Leanna raise a rescue team, call ambulances, who knows? I'm now on the plane. Uh, they're doing the final checks. I have to turn my phone off and I'm going to be non-contactable for 11 hours. You simply can't leave me at that point. We need to know more. But I had to wait. What was this poor wise man's wisdom that saved the day? We don't know. Maybe this is the point of Ecclesiastes. Uh, here is a sad lesson, verse 15. Uh, there was a man who lived in a city, a, a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom, but nobody remembered the poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but even the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. Uh, when a story is told, we really care and we pay attention, don't we? We all want to know what happened to the team in the landy and to this poor man who saved the city. But when we actually live through life, how quickly we ignore the poor wise man. Uh, it's often the, the heroic wisdom and the actions of the quiet wise that are ignored and forgotten and despised. We'll never know what happened to that poor wise man and what he, what he did, what he said, what actions he took, how he saved the city, forgotten. Because he was insignificant, he was poor. It's probably a bit of an embarrassment in that city. He was wise, he saved, they forgot. They were foolish. And this chapter is full of sad reminders of this kind of uh, fact. Wisdom is better than folly. We, we know that now through Ecclesiastes. But in our world, the fool who shouts loudest will be heard rather than the quiet, careful wisdom of others. So verse 17, the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of, ruler, shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but... One sinner destroys much good, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. I've never made perfume, but I, I have some fly traps in my chicken coop. Uh, and boy, do rotten flies smell. A little folly outweighs much wisdom and honour. Uh, look around, the teacher says, verse uh, 5 of chapter 10. You will see this everywhere. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy low ones. Uh, in other words, the rich here taken in a positive sense, 
Uh, they've worked hard. They know about business. They know what they're doing. But they're not the ones given the, the authority and the positions to rule. It, it's the fool who shouts loudest, actually, who gets there instead. Uh, the world doesn't value quiet wisdom, but loud fools. Quiet wisdom is forgotten. Uh, you'll see it at uh, work. You can won't take long to think through a, a meeting or two uh, where the loud fool gets their way rather than the wise ideas of the quiet. Uh, if, <laughs> if your meetings don't go like that, perhaps you ought to reflect which one you are in the meeting. Uh, <laughs> The teacher has seen even more foolish things take place than just uh, things going that way. Verse seven, I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. Uh, the implication being that a good and wise prince who ought to ride in honor finds themselves being treated like a slave uh, at the foolish uh, but bold and loud voices as others. How backwards is our world is this point. Wisdom is not always rewarded or recognized. It's often the loud fools who take control. Uh, verse 16, woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Uh, in this world, in other words, we want wise and experienced rulers but we often find loud fools at the helm. I'm not only talking about our government. Princes often feast in the evening, uh, but woe to the land where they had, been, they had given up, he says, and they eat and feast in the morning. In other words, they're just getting drunk in the morning because there's nothing else they can do. The fools have taken over. In fact, all of life can be backwards. All of life can be dangerous, he says. Verse eight, whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall might be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stone may be injured by them. Whoever splits log, logs may be endangered by them. Life can be backwards. Wisdom isn't always rewarded. The loud fools often take control. Of course, in all of this, uh, the continued reminder of the teacher is wisdom is better. He says that repeatedly. Just don't expect earthly reward and greatness or meaning or anything of lasting life or salvation to come from these things. Even the wise die and are forgotten, as he said many a time. But also, he says, don't enjoy fatalism. Uh, so we might be tempted at this point. Well, let's just give up. Let's just live however we want. It just doesn't matter. Let's be the fool. We're all going to die anyway. The fools often do better, it seems. So. But don't enjoy fatalism. Don't give in to the meaningless, he says. Don't get drunk in the morning. Uh, there is still worth. Uh, there is still worth in being wise. So he goes on to explain that a bit. Verse 10. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but uh, skill will bring success. In other words, even in the frustration of this life we live in, it's worth doing a good job at work or at home, or at school, or in our neighborhoods, or at our church. Or verse 11, if a snake bites before it's charmed, the charmer receives no fee. Don't cut corners like the fool, he says. 
Even if you aren't remembered for your wisdom or your hard work, that's not the point. Whether or not your boss or your teacher or your spouse sees your wisdom, don't abandon your wisdom. If a snake charmer cuts corners, they'll be bitten and unpaid. It's like a double whammy. So so might we be bitten as well by life if we choose the path of a fool. Uh, Verse 18, through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. Don't give up and be, be lazy, says our teacher. If you do that, your house might collapse. The roof rafters are going to sag and collapse. Look after your things, he says. Care for your family. Don't neglect your spouse or your friends or your job or what you need to do. Just because the world doesn't value wisdom or the fool tells you otherwise, there's still value in being wise. Neglect the upkeep of your house and the roof might fall in. Uh, Verse 19 of chapter 10, a feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. In other words, I I think this is a positive verse. He means enjoy sensibly the good things God gifts us in life, the feasts and the celebration, a wine that makes you merry, but not too much. Don't be the fool who gets drunk. And of course, the reality is that money is required for this life. And so you'll need to earn some, he says. Uh, Verse 20, uh, do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird in the sky may carry your words and a a bird on the wing may report what you say. In in other words, still live rightly. Despite the, the, the temporary breath, the meaninglessness of even wisdom in this life, of anything lasting, live wisely. You never know who's watching. You never know what will be around the corner. Wisdom is better than folly. But do not rely on it. Do not rely on wisdom or hard work or striving for great achievements to bring anything meaningful or lasting beyond this life. Or or often even in this life, as you've made clear in this chapter. In fact, It's almost the point of Ecclesiastes. In a world where wisdom and the right thing are not always seen, they're not always rewarded or or worthwhile in and of themselves. Don't give up and become the fool. Do the honourable thing. Do the wise thing before God at every turn. For he, like the birds, is watching. just, Just don't expect the world to pay you back very handsomely for our behavior and our wisdom Uh, like the poor wise man who saved the city uh, you and your wisdom may well be forgotten but do it for other reasons and i think ecclesiastes leaves us going well i'm just going to do it for jesus that's that's the only option left i think it's hard to read this section and not ask but but why what why is life like this? And I think it's hard not to draw parallels to the experience that Jesus had in his life on earth. See, I wonder if we're almost meant to uh, think of the poor wise man in that opening story who overcame a great and powerful ruler and say, that's what Jesus did. Uh, Satan had laid siege to our world. 
ramparts have been built, armies of temptation, sin and evil are gathered. The city within is sort of in a frenzy. They're looking for answers as we've been all the way through Ecclesiastes. We're crying and we're wailing. There's fear and there's confusion. Everyone looking around for meaning. Where's the answers? Where's victory going to come from? And they're all tempted to follow the wisdom of the age, to be true to yourself. All roads lead to victory. Just believe in yourself and it will be okay. Or some try other religions. If we're good enough, then God will save us. If only I get everything right. Others have given up. You know, we, they're getting drunk in the morning, stumbling around and fumbling throughout the day. Others withdraw and are afraid, perhaps in the inner rooms of the city of our world or within their own minds. Some are heroic and loud, aren't they, in our world? Follow me. I'll save you this way and that. Well, the enemy, Satan on the outside, loves this going on in our world. He loves the chaos and the meaninglessness and the, and the searches for, for meaning in this life. In fact, they're his favorite weapon. He doesn't have to do it. He just stands outside and watches everyone implode. It's a picture of life. As long as everyone is looking everywhere according to everything they know for meaning and, and salvation and victory, no one will find it. Isn't that the vapor, the, the breath, the meaninglessness of Ecclesiastes? Look and try all you like. You won't find help or meaning in the city, in the world itself. No one's looking in the right place. No one for a second has thought to look to that poor, wise man. Poor and dirty, sat by the city gate. No one's gone to him. To save them from the king. It's a picture of our world of life. Are we humanity, uh, if you like, are the slaves who have pulled Jesus the prince off his horse in verse 7, made him walk behind like a slave. The, the only one who should be on the horse is walking behind us. We're the fools who occupy the high places in life, while Jesus, the truly rich man, occupies the lowly, because we're not interested in him. We're the ones digging pits for the enemy, but find ourselves falling in. We're the ones who have our rafters sagging because we're lazy. Our words are all about ourselves because we're the fools. We're the ones ignorant of the bird to carry our sin and our evil actions and our thoughts to the true king in heaven. Of verse 20. Satan ought to win this battle, shouldn't he? When he comes up against the people like us, the ramparts are built. No one has an answer. It's all meaningless. But who's that? There he is. It's the, that poor man from the city gate. Now look at him. He's, the, he's that poor, embarrassing man shout the heroes from the city walls who haven't got a clue, the loud fools. He's walking out alone. He's already half beaten and naked towards the enemy. You say you're the son of God, save yourselves, they say. Take him and kill him. We, we, we offer you to, him to our enemy. Uh, give us someone else back instead. Send us a fool like Barabbas. 
and as a sheep is silent before its slaughter, the poor but wise man offers no words to the enemy. But Satan, the enemy, well, he knows this, this wise man. At last, he says, this is who I came for. The son of God, finally at my mercy. And the fools in the city don't even know it. And they murder him with the full support of the fools in the city. People like you and me. And as Satan, the, the prince of this age, marches on into the city, uh, humanity perhaps uh, naively thinks he's won. He takes what looks like control of the city of our world. All the inhabitants of this world are now uh, heading for an eternal death with the enemy in charge, forced to worship Satan, although we would never call it that. He has many subtle different names throughout, our, uh, throughout every age. But his reign is short. Uh, for that poor wise man that he thinks he's killed was truly a, a king of kings, a lord of lords. And his heavenly father saw his obedience even unto death, raised him up to new life and sits him at the right hand. <coughs> and that poor wise man will come again to judge the living and the dead. We said those words in the creed earlier. What Satan didn't realize as he passed by the, the dying body of the poor wise man as he entered the world was that his foot had risen up as he rose into heaven. And the crushing blow of Jesus's heel will finally crush the head of the serpent the snake when he returns. It, it began in a sense and was completed in a sense on the very day Jesus died. As that wise man walked out to face the enemy. As Jesus drew his last breath on the cross and he said, it, it is finished. But many forget and miss this great wisdom. But we will see it. The city will see it. All will see it when Jesus returns in victory. The question is, is will we remember that poor wise man when he returns? Will we remember his wisdom as he chose to give his life as a ransom of many? As he died on the cross of salvation so that we didn't have to? Will we continue our foolish blindness? Will we forget the one man who saved us? Believing the lies of Satan who presently rules our world and blinds us to our own sin and the right judgment that faces us before God. Or will we remember the poor wise man? Will we remember the king pulled down from his horse, the crucified savior, the Lord Jesus? We can't find salvation in and of ourselves. Even our wisdom will be forgotten, may not achieve great things or helpful things in this life. But there's a poor wise man who gives us all meaning. Let's pray. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for when we seek meaning in our own lives and world, for forgetting the wisdom of you, the king, who chose to be pulled off his horse, who chose to be poor and rejected by mankind. And yet in your perfect wisdom, 
made a sacrifice to save all who repent and believe in your name. May we choose wisdom rather than folly all the days of our life, not to find meaning, but because wisdom chooses to be like you, humble, compassionate, slow to anger. Wisdom chooses to honor you always before and above ourselves. Wisdom chooses to trust you for salvation in the face of every enemy. And so we pray, come, Lord Jesus. Return to show us the victory you have already won. Do not let us forget. Save us, we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>